views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil. When the feast that feeds you starves our father's children. When snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. When famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord's anger is no longer feared, if his protection is gone and your enemies are near, if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake, break, and fall, if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all, rise up, no matter if the prize is high in the skies or deep. On the issue of 21st century legalized slavery, hosted currently hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas with Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who helped combat it. Today is the August 2nd, 2017 broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio. We're only 17 days away from the Millions for Prisoners March on Washington, D.C., August 19th, the largest gathering of slavery abolitionists in the U.S. history, and in my humble opinion, the best chance we have ever had to legally counter and defeat mass incarceration, prison for profit, justice for sale, and all the symptoms of slavery we experience today. On this day, in 1776, members of Congress affixed their signatures to an enlarged copy of the Declaration of Independence. I guess they felt like we do. Tonight, participants from the Ohio People's Justice Project events will be recalling their experiences during the Path to Freedom from Modern Day Slavery, slavery held July 6, 26 through 29th in Columbus, Ohio. We were honored to be a part of that, and uh, hopefully some of the family that we met along the way will call in tonight and share their experiences. We'll cover as many current stories as we can and update you on the movement. Our abolitionist in profile will be Maria W. Stewart, abolitionist, speaker, and author of Religion and the Pure Principles of Morality. Our writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is Jarrett Adams, who was wrongfully convicted of rape in 2000 and sentenced to 28 years in prison. After seven years of wrongful incarceration, he was exonerated with the help of the Wisconsin Innocence Project. In this segment, For Freedom's Sake, A History of Rebellion, we will be reading an excerpt from Howard Zinn's book, 1619 to 1741, Slavery and Slave Rebellions in the U.S. Got a question or a comment? You can call in toll-free from the USA and Canada at 866-510-9025. You can chat with us and others by logging in at uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. Once again, I'm Max Parkes. What's happening, Brother Scotty? 
You there, fam? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry for the delay. I'm multitasking. Got a lot going on, but good evening, uh, comrade, and to all the listeners of New Abolitionist Radio, as Max stated, you know, uh, we do got this rally coming up August the 19th and just trying to uh, get these funds raised and, you know, um, I've already put that out there and I'll be issuing an itemized uh, list, uh, cup, you know, to explain the cost uh, this weekend after a conference call. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But like I said, Max, hey, if all I can get is a van and I had to sleep in the van, then that's what I do because I'm not missing this. It's gonna, it's gonna go down, and everything's gonna be all right. I believe that. I'm gonna believe that too. Yes, sir. And thank you to those who have right. already contributed. Um, I got a couple of pledges today. Said they were gonna send it snail mail through the mail. So you know, hopefully we'll hit our fundraising uh, uh, goal. We just had an unexpected cost, um, you know, that I wasn't foreseeing. So so we're trying to work out a proper budget, but we will issue an itemized list on that. Um, but Max, right. I, I don't know if you've seen this um, on Twitter. Uh, it's been trending where it was trending a couple of days ago. But a lot of people been talking about this alternative history. What if the uh, Confederacy had won the war? Apparently, this is a series on HBO or something. I, you know, so um, I'm like, you know, <laughs> the dangers of that. The dangers of that. That's still that's that's no different than Steven Spielberg's movie about Lincoln, which also pushed the lie that slavery was abolished. Okay, so I have not seen uh, any of the promos for this series. Just reading what people have been saying about it, but they still it, it's still propaganda being made to make you believe that slavery was never abolished. And I would say, is it really alternative history? If slavery is still legal and you want to say that the CSA lost the war, I would I have to technically call it a draw because the reason they went to war was over slavery. And at the conclusion of the war, slavery still exists. So how how did they lose? Somebody explain that to me. You know, I'm, I'm still learning. I've seen the promotional material about this discussion of making such a series by the people who also made um, the Game of Thrones, and which is an excellent series in itself. I'm also aware that as of recently, many films and documentaries have been coming out that not only show this in a proper light, but also give us tools to work with in order to fight against this. Uh, even fictional stories, for instance, the Underground series, which uh, wasn't picked up by own is a, an incredibly powerful and truth-filled series that I've never seen anything of the like before. They turned our ancestors into superheroes, literally. You know what I mean? It was like action heroes with modern-day music going with it and the the uh, types of things that they expressed and shown uh, really reflected the, the, today's time. So I thought it was very insightful and made people think. The 13th is another example, you know, uh, that has come out and then you got Do Not Resist, Slavery by Another Name. I don't want to say that it's not possible that these people could present to us a what if that shows exactly how people are doing it today where you look at it and go damn that's happening right now damn they do that right over there it's possible it's possible 
Yeah, I'm curious. I'd like to see some kind of trailer or, or an example of where they're going with this before I make my decision, because it could end up being the most powerful tool in media that we have. We don't know yet. Yeah, that's that, it, it, it's possible. But based off the conversations that's being had now, uh, had now, excuse me, it's still people are believing and basing this off of slavery was abolished, 1865, and, and slavery would still exist if the CSA won the war. That's the Confederate States of America. And so to me, even though the film Lincoln has some um, historically correct information in it, it's still at the end at the end, you know, he he's laying up in the bed with a black woman, that one senator, and not Lincoln, but uh, that one senator who they say was instrumental in getting a 13th pass, and he's laying up in the bed with a black woman, and he's reading the 13th like he did it for her. When the truth is, is that wow. at the conclusion of the, of the war, um, Lincoln actually, uh, before there was a formal, uh, what would you call it, surrender. He actually met with some Confederate leaders. I read about this. This is history that is not widely known. He actually met with some of them. And I and we talked about it before, Max. I think you will recall where I think they negotiated the 13th Amendment. And he was like, you know what? Okay, too many people are dying right now. Uh, too many sons are losing their lives in, on both sides. So... Let's bring this carnage to an end. I told you from the start, before y'all succeeded from the Union, that I had no intention of ending slavery. So what, what, what can we do? How can we bring this to a resolution? What if I allow you to keep practicing slavery, but you got to do it through the course? That's how I imagine that conversation went, man. So I, I'm just I always, because Malcolm X taught me the power of media, I'm just always very, 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 very suspicious of anything coming out of Hollywood. Yeah, and you should be, rightfully so. Uh, but, you know, we're here, and if it comes out of space wrong, <laughs> we'll let them know. <laughs> you know, that point where you was talking about Lincoln, I'd never seen that film, but the, the area that you were describing sounded much like what Russell Simmons did with uh, Harriet Tubman basically making a big joke about how she screwed her way to freedom um, and the things yes, that we had to yes, say about that at that time. You yes, know? So you it's exactly not necessarily correct. always, like sometimes the people that are supposed to be on our sides are the ones that's making the, the, the pure propaganda and most insulting crap you can imagine. Like they don't even care when they should have known all along. Right, that's the very last scene in case anybody has it on DVD or I don't know if it's online. It's the very last scene right before closing credits. Uh, what's that hey, game? Tommy Lee Jones character. Hey, I did uh, want to say that uh, the trip to Ohio, man, I thought was uh, just just super powerful, uh, transformative. Scotty, we had some amazing experiences, met some amazing people. Uh, everybody was moved on multiple occasions throughout those series of events put on by Hannah X and the People's Justice Project out of Ohio. Um, uh, we've got a little bit of video and stuff of it. Uh, you may have seen the panel discussion or at least my segment of the panel discussion, <clears throat> but there was so much more to it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Won't we be playing some of that tonight? 
Uh, yeah, I guess we could play a few clips of some stuff tonight. Uh, there was just so much going on, and I'm hoping that some of our people will call in today and share their experiences who were there personally. I, Tribal, of course, is here with me. Uh, I suspect Yusef will be calling in and Hannah, and we may even be blessed by a couple of special guests who we met along the way, and that was uh, Malika G., who was the mother of Tyree King, 13-year-old boy who was killed by the police in Ohio and also Adrian Hood we met who was the mother of Henry Green and we had some, some quality time with these morning mothers and uh, I think we gave them some hope <laughs> that you know that we can there's a change coming that we can do something about all of this so the next person's sons and daughters don't keep getting murdered. Yeah certainly certainly. Max mm-hmm. before before we get into the show I, I want to address something um it doesn't pertain to all the listeners, uh, but it pertains to some of the organizers and backroom conversations we've been having. But I want to, I want to, I want to apologize. I want to apologize. Well, I don't know if apology, let me just put it this way. There's a chance that somebody infiltrated one of the abolitionist group. And this is a white person. Allegedly, you never know. Uh, when you're dealing with people online, but this is a white person who tried to portray the movement or they felt that it was anti-white or anti-police, too anti-police or anything like that. And so I read it and I probably didn't read it slow enough, but I read it again and I went to that person's profile like you went to that person's profile and it makes us believe that this person is infiltrating and trying to cause division. But I made a comment about uh, in that in that group about, you know, let's not just dismiss people's concerns. And I'm not saying that's what was going on. Um, And let's not be reactionary. Let's 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 listen to their concerns. Let's address them. Now, I had expressed before Max to you about I was just afraid of people viewing the new abolitionist movement, this movement that that encompasses so many different people, so many different personalities, and just like the abolitionist movement pre eighteen sixty five, there are going to be disagreements. Uh, we're not all going to see eye to eye on the way to abolish slavery. Uh, you know, it's just going to be some disagreements. Okay, but reflecting on that I see where they were coming from but you know that's my concern I don't want people to see the movement as a color coded movement to where they think that we only care about black people no we care about ending slavery and while it affects black people more than anyone else on this program we have spotlighted some of the victims who were non-black okay Zach Hammond comes to mind. I can't out of South Carolina. The other um, guy in Florida, who where they left a, a silhouette of his body on the sale wall, where they didn't douse the whole doggone sale with chemicals and what have you. And I know our enemies out there. I know how they operate, just like how they're trying to target Black Lives Matter. We played the clip of Alex Jones in the NRA. And, and just how they've been using um, our skin color against us. But I also pointed out that 
like the uh, abolitionist movement pre-1865, you know, you had abolitionists. It was an international movement, okay, of people of different, uh, very diverse, very diverse. But they did have their had their issues. So if anybody felt like I was out of place with my comments, it was not my intention to offend. So I apologize. I was just expressing my concerns, especially after, and I hope they're listening right now, but especially after a group contacted me from Texas, wanted me to fly down, to travel down, to talk to their group about abolitionism. And, and as I've often said, I'm tied to this radio station. I don't have a staff. Uh, maybe one day I can hire a staff. Uh, not a lot of people know how to do the technical things that I that I do. And there are a lot of programs on Black Talk Radio Network and even got more coming. And so it's hard for me to travel. And I suggested that a man very qualified who's already out there traveling on a regular basis by the name of Max Parthas would be more than happy to come down and they had a problem with your skin color and whether or not you was fully black and all of this and that. And so and so I was like, okay, if if he can't come, if he's not welcome, then I don't want to come. I'm that that's just how I roll. Yeah, right. that's the level of bigotry we have to deal with in our own communities, and I've dealt with that all my life. You know, I was raised in Patterson, New Jersey, in a black neighborhood by black family, among black cousins, and and I had a black wife and black children. If I don't know nothing about being black, don't nobody know nothing about right, being black. Right. And I my my lineage I can trace all the way back to the 1600s. I know exactly where I came from. The only place I don't know is what nation in Africa. Uh, my ancestors came from those who are a part of my African heritage. Right, right. So, yeah, so that's where I was coming from with my concern. It wasn't that I was siding with that person who may have been an infiltrator just trying to sow discord and division, but that's where I was coming from, okay, is that, you know, we need all hands on deck for this. And anybody, I, you know, I really, really a big, anybody that knows me, I really admire Malcolm X a whole lot. And I know a lot of you like to be stuck on uh, Malcolm X when he was in the Nation of Islam. But once he left, he really evolved on some of his positions. And one thing he said that has always resonated with me is I work with anybody as long as they trying to change this miserable condition on the face of this earth. So I didn't mean to belabor that point, but I want to apologize to anybody uh, that may have been offended uh, by that. But we're not going to let anyone tear this movement apart. If I might, too, just touch on that point briefly before we get into our, our main segments here. Um, as to the alleged hate, I want to keep it simple, and I, I wrote this to someone earlier. Black people in this country right now have every reason to hate. It's perfectly understandable that they would. Have you ever known a victim of horrific long-term abuse who recoils at the touch of any man? Would you blame them? See, that's what we're seeing right now. Time after time after time after time, they view and see these issues and these problems being created, maintained, and executed by the very same people over and over and over again. So trying to dismiss uh, their reasoning for hating an entire group is really just a waste of your time. 
the best thing to do is try to understand the point where they're coming from and then right. prove it wrong physically yourself change make right. things different don't be the next one in line to exploit the same people you don't have to help somebody and expect thanks every time right. i got people beating my door down sometimes because they don't like what i'm doing out here you know what i mean like scotty just expressed one for example where they don't even want me to speak so I'm not doing it just because I need somebody to like me or agree with me or love me. I do, I'm do. i doing this because I need freedom for my people, freedom for my family. My grandchildren don't need to be going to no damn prisons because of some legalese crap y'all done made up. So right. understand that the hate is justifiable. Right. You and don't Max, have to return it. And Max, I actually expressed that as well, that, that if you say that you are an ally and you classified as white in this system... You need to understand the abuse, the daily abuse that we are subjected to as as people classified as black under this system. And that some of these people, you know, um, like when people ask me how I'm doing and I'm doing the best I can, but I'm doing a whole lot better because I have not suffered some of the indignities. I've never been enslaved in a prison. Uh, My little brother was, but that hasn't touched me Scotty Reed's body has never been enslaved. So, so, but you need to understand that even though I don't agree with, and I can't, what's her name, Dr. Joy DeGruy, who talks about this post-traumatic slave, late slavery syndrome, I don't agree with that because it ain't nothing post about it. Slavery <laughs> is still occurring. All of these killings we see in the street is connected to the continuation of slavery. The, and people want to get offended if Kaepernick or the lady on ESPN who agreed with Kaepernick that these cops are descendants of slave catchers. They're exactly right. You can't deny that history. So if you call yourself an ally and you're classified as white, you need to understand that among in the black community, we have some victims who have experienced some serious trauma, and you need to be understanding of that. Yes, uh, you know, last year around this time, I spoke to six women in a row who had lost their children to police violence. Six black women with their children murdered by police. And uh, it resulted in a poem by Tribal Rain by the name of This City is Full of Mourning Mothers. And just here in Ohio recently, talked to two more mothers who experienced the same thing. And they heard that poem by Tribal and uh, it really brought tears to their eyes because somebody was voicing how they feel. I mean, you you don't know what it's like to experience that. As a man, I couldn't write about it. I had to get Tribal to do it because you don't know. And there's a saying... Uh, I forget which abolitionist said it, but basically they said, nobody knows what it is to be a slave but the slave. Don't tell somebody you know how they feel when you don't. You haven't spent any time thinking about it, really, until you just met them. Oh, I'm sorry, I know how you feel. And then you compare some weird-ass stuff to what they're going through, you know? You don't know what it's like to lose a child, then don't, don't try to say you understand. I'm just saying. All right, Scotty. So, yeah, man, there are people out there who are suffering right now at the hands of the same faces over and over again. So the hate is justified. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it exists, and we need to understand why it exists, and we need to fight regardless of how someone feels about you for the same reason. Right. Just show them 
what you're about as an individual and right. continue to work to abolish slavery. I work within the black community and it's fractured. Some of the people don't like me, some do like me, others don't want to deal with me, as Scotty said, and I still fight. <laughs> I mean, come on, y'all. It don't take a lot. Everybody ain't got to love you for what you're doing. Anyway, there you have it, man. Uh, we are about 25 minutes into the program. If you're on the line right now or in the chat room, just press star star to unmute yourself, and uh, we'll start our conversation with our community here tonight if, uh, if you're there. So just press star star, and uh, that will give Scotty the cue to uh, bring you in. State your name and where you're calling from, and question or comment. All right, um, the board is clear for now, uh, Max. So if we want right, to get Scott, started well, on some of these show on some of these let me, stories. Let me well, let me recap. So the, the Ohio thing is important. I want to get it through this, through some of that and it tell talk about it if you don't mind. Of course so, not. Uh, of course yeah, not. Yeah, you're yeah. you're the producer, <laughs> Max. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was extremely transformative, and it was one of those you had to be there to really know just how big it gave a lot of hope to a lot of people and for me in particular when we first got there the first thing I did was talk to a woman who was in the hotel room across from us and in 10 minutes she was an abolitionist which expresses how simple this message is the truth is so easy to tell us the lies that take all the work and in 10 minutes she was an abolitionist and she wasn't a person of color either she understood everything going through all of it dealing with all of that that was how we started in Ohio out in Athens then we visited the historical society there, and we talked with the director and the curator who will be bringing us back uh, to talk directly about the 13th Amendment. You know, we were at the first Christian church there, huge church in Ohio, um, man, and it was pretty fabulous. Uh, they didn't know anything about this. Again, something we talk about on this program all the time, the, the brightest among us have never known. And when they find out, their minds begin to change because it's the key element, that whole 13th Amendment. So we went from uh, there at the the um, Historical Society in Athens, Ohio, and then we ended up in Columbus. And uh, the first thing that we saw down there, man, was the most beautiful thing ever. And it was the finale for Freedom School, put on by Harna X there in Columbus. And basically, it was a lot of... Uh, pre-high school kids or young men and women, excuse me, Trevor? Five-year-olds, eight-year-olds, maybe some as high as 12 or not, 10-year-olds were there, and they had been learning for months about their history and uh, focusing on reading and how powerful reading is and learning and understanding and things like that. And they put on a play at the end of their finale, which was awesome, man. If you've never heard a bunch of children chanting with all the enthusiasm they can muster the words, hold up, wait a minute, let me put some freedom in it, then you have never lived. I'm trying to tell you, Scotty, <laughs> it was a beautiful thing to witness. Uh, we have some photos on it, uh, of it available, and I'll, I'll share them. Uh, and so that was how we started in Columbus. There's a, a big organizational uh, community in Ohio throughout the state. Of course, the uh, Ohio groups that are supporting the Million for Prisoners Human Rights March are out there. Um, and in Columbus, they have another big organization, and it's all about abolition. They all believe the same thing, that this has got to end, and they've been supporting it 
wholeheartedly. And uh, she had planned a viewing of the 13th with a panel discussion, and it was a very powerful panel as well. Uh, I'll save some more of that story for later on during the night, because I'm sure at least a few will call in and will share uh, some of what happened there during that uh, circumstance. But I also happened to visit a Palestinian um, support uh, rally where they were boycotting or calling for the boycott of Israel goods and services and stuff like that in support of what's going on in Gaza. And uh, found out that they're also in support of the abolitionist movement. Uh, I got to speak to that crowd there at the Capitol uh, State House building there in Ohio. And they were very receptive of the message that we bring, especially when they started realizing, I think some of them already knew it, because I do believe they mentioned it, that the prisons, which uh, house prisoners here in the United States and in Europe, also house those Palestinians right in Israel, G4S. Uh, you know, there's this key element of all across the world where oppression is found that includes these prison systems. So that was a pretty amazing experience as well to be able to speak on that. And you know me, Scotty, I'm like, we've been marching for everybody all the time. Now is the time for you to march for us. Because, you know, they were saying the Palestinian fight is the black man's fight. The African-Americans are fighting. And they were, you know, saying that we should all stand in solidarity with the Palestinians. But I have to keep expressing that we're dying right here, right now. We need you here right now. We got this march scheduled for the 19th of August. And it's one of the most powerful moments in American history where we have an opportunity to make a real change. We need you now for all the times we've been there for you. Just saying, Scotty. Go ahead, take over, brother. No, man, I I agree. You know, I do share um, stuff from struggles all over the world because I really, you know, Malcolm X inspired the Black Panther Party. So I look up to those elders as well and how they moved internationally and how they linked people's struggles together. So I have always shared that information when it's been passed to me, I pass it on, you know, to to the network that I have. And so I, it, it it is all linked. Oppression is oppression, um, you know, and many of these same players that are involved in enslaving people here in the United States operate internationally. So I, I recognize that. But at, at the same time, though, you know, when we need it and we need it, we're trying to abolish slavery. If we're in the belly of the beast, if we abolish slavery here, do you know that's going to have a ripple effect? What do they call that? The butterfly effect or something the like butterfly that? butterfly effect. That's right, Scotty. <laughs> yeah. So yep. that's why, and, and I'm not saying... Everybody has a right to self-determination, but a brother had reached out to me today, um, and he's talking about moving outside the United States. He's actually outside of the United States, and we do have those brothers and sisters that talk about migrating to Africa and just getting out of this place, but please don't take this in the wrong way, but these the people here who are oppressing us here, their reach is global. And G4S, which Max mentioned, is operating in occupied Palestine, is the largest employer in Africa. So we're in the belly of the beast. And I ain't never been one, and I'm not, don't take this the wrong way, 
but I ain't never been one to run from a fight. I'm behind enemy lines, trying to do as much damage as I can to this system. Right, right. And you know, the thing that people need to understand is what we're attempting here is the new thing. It's something different. Everybody's calling for radical thought outside the box. And here we are presenting it, and groups like the NAACP decide that, you know, they don't want to put anything behind us in this effort, while the ACLU does put their efforts behind us now. They're sending a speaker to the Millions for Prisoners March on Washington, and I got to applaud that. But the NAACP has decided that they're going to go on a listening tour. Why are you going on a listening tour when I have spoken to at least a dozen of your members, including your main office, as well as the other people in our groups have done the same thing, Right. and now... You're going to go on a listening tour. You ain't heard us. Who right. are you going to listen to? You ain't hearing us right now. So, like, I'm connected to chapter members through social media, uh, and I've actually interviewed the one in Charlotte. Um, I've also reached out to the one here in Gaston County who most people wouldn't think Gaston County had a chapter of the NAACP. That's because they don't do nothing. Dude just sit up on Facebook uh, sending out the stuff that Reverend Barber is sending out. And and but when I asked him about these Confederate monuments on public property and their symbol their what their symbolism means and that this is slavery and we, they're honoring slavers, uh we ain't got time for that right now. This is when Bree Newsom has scaled the flagpole down there in South Carolina. She ain't even from South Carolina. She from Mecklenburg County, North Carolina. And she scaled that flagpole, put her life at risk, put her freedom at risk to pull down that Confederate flag and you see that flag still ain't whipped back up. All right? Uh, so you're going you're gonna to sit up and tell me, oh, we ain't got time for that right now. Now, I have noticed that you do got some radical NAACP chapter members uh, across the country, but they are far and few to find. And so I feel you on the frustration with the NAACP and then with the national uh, branch taking money from the very people that's invested heavily in private prisons like Wachovia, which is now Wells Fargo or was bought up by Wells Fargo, the second largest investor in private prison company, uh, Geo Group. So that might be why, Max, they don't want to commit is because they don't want to lose that corporate funding from those who are invested in the enslavement of people here. Oh, people not just here, but again, these are international companies. So that might give you a clue as to maybe why. So if they come, if they have a little tour here and, and a little listening tour, I will do my best to make it. Even if I had to suspend the program, I, you know, I can't do that to my clients, but hopefully it'll be over the weekend when I can go. Cause I got a lot to say. I fill a ear up with abolitionism. You know, it seems to me that they're unaware, of not only of uh, keeping a pulse on the on the public uh, beat of what's really important to people, but they're they're ignoring that. But it seems also to me that they don't have the full picture. They're not aware of what's happening right under their noses. In my discussion to them, they told me that they, at the main office, said they do not support any attempt to reinterpret 
the Constitution. So there's the fear. Okay, I understand your fear. You're in a, a hostile climate where Republicans run everything, and most, uh, many of them seem to be racist supremacists or racist supremacist supporters, and you're concerned that if you open up the Constitution at that point, they can do anything. They can put anything in there. It could be worse than it is right now. I get it. But what you don't understand is, A, there's never been a friendly environment to end slavery ever. It just don't happen. That's why slavery is here, because it's not a friendly environment. The second thing is that there's this convention of states thing going on right now underneath your nose. They only need 34 states in order to open up the Constitution for reinterpretation. They're at about 12 right now. The last that I saw was the vice president of the United States was coming into support of this convention of states. If the Trump administration gets behind this, you can hang it up. Whether you like it or not, the Constitution is going to be opened up for reinterpretation, and you would have wasted all your time not even thinking about what you might want to present at that uh, instance. And it'll be too damn late. No, Max. They'll be stuck. Let me keep my language clear. What they'll be doing is organized protesting on the outside while the Constitution is being written because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If they really want it to happen, it's going to happen because they hold all the power and you ain't going to be able to stop it. And like we said before, I don't want to be outside of the convention with a sign in my hand protesting them and calling them racist or all. No, I want to be in the, on the inside at the table to make sure the abolition of slavery is on that table. Right. It's not like we're asking for a lot. We're willing to go ahead and have a convention of states. I mean, it's going to happen. Like you just said, regardless, if the Trump administration gets behind this, it's going to happen. So we just want to make sure that we're equally represented. Right now, we're not represented at all. The 13th Amendment isn't even on their radar. They could care less about it. So we need to have people who say that this is on the radar. Because, you know, you could end up with a runaway convention at this point, And the billionaires behind it, financing it, uh, have their own agenda. We just need representation. And this is an opportunity in time where all the stars align. The people are ready. The incidents are there. The events are there. Everything that you could think about that you would need, including a complete and total eclipse of the sun, is about to happen. You need to get your ass in gear. Most certainly, most certainly. And let's not act like I actually support some of the things that they are proposing, like uh, term limits, instead of having these lifelong uh, 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 congressmen and congresswomen uh, basically just living off the government, you know, and, and, and passing laws written by billionaires. I think the Koch brothers is involved in this. Uh, yeah, they are involved in this. And guess who was writing the legislation to put more people in prison and bringing in state representatives to teach them the legislation, how to go back and sell it and pass it into law. So, you know, it's just time for us to 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 fight smarter and not harder. Yeah, we got to think a little bit ahead. At this point in time, I've already decided that it's time to start thinking about what to do with the people who are going to be free. Now, if we're going to free a million and a half people plus, but when they get free, because I'm already thinking that based on the the, uh, history alone, that once these people come free, they'll let them free. They'll they'll open the door and say, go on out. 
but there will be no kind of monetary or mental or physical assistance or logistical assistance at all. They will do so grudgingly because we proved ourselves to be correct. But they won't, they won't be trying to help nobody. They'll be angry because we just cost them a lot of jobs, a lot of incomes, a lot of industries, because we simply don't want to be in cages behind some crap you made up, like the drug war, you know? So that's what I'm thinking about right now. We need to get our systems in play to support and, these people who are walking yes. out free and after all of those years. And Max, uh, back to the Constitutional Convention. See, that's why it's important for us to get Stacey George elected governor of Alabama. Yes, yes. An abolitionist. He's a Republican. Yes, he is. He's a Republican. He's a conservative. He's a, a, a I would I wouldn't call him an evangelical, but he made it no secret when we interviewed him uh, about his faith, his in in Christianity. But he also understood that slavery was never abolished. He put some concrete things to to uh, on the table to lead to abolition in the state of Alabama. And so a person like him, if he becomes elected governor of Alabama and will be part of that constitutional convention and, and whatnot, see, that's how we get our foot in the door and get what we... I don't have to agree with a person 100% on everything, just the most important thing, and that's ending slavery. Right, and that's where you differ with many, Scotty, because the most important thing to you is not the most important thing to them. When you go to some of these uh, political websites, like the Democratic Party's website, you'll see the position that things like mass incarceration fall in. It ain't at the top of the list. Same thing for NAACP, ACLU, and many of these human rights and constitutional rights organizations. Their lists will tell you what position of importance it's in. So that's where we run into a problem where we're trying to change perspectives. And I think we're doing that successfully, um, which actually would lead to the, one of the stories that I, I promised I would share today. And uh, unless you want to do something first before I get into it, I, I think we both have opinions on The Guardian's recent article from one of the founding members of Black Lives Matter talking uh, about abolition and how we still have work to do in America. That was from Patrice Colors. Yes, um, I do have strong opinions on that, and I thoroughly read it. I read it twice, okay, just to be sure I was reading what I was reading and comprehending comprehending it correctly. So if you want to go into that, Max, uh, please do. But let me just let you know, I identified a problem with BTR community. I think it arose the other day that if you share too many links in a thread, that the first links the first 13 links you won't be able to pull them up so that's just another thing on my to to do list is troubleshoot that so max i just wanted to let you know in case you're having the same problem with those first 13 stories man that number 13 13th amendment but yeah that's what stacy keith stacy george says that 13 seems like it's special at this time and it is right popping right. up everywhere it's telling everybody the key is here so I just want to make you aware of that in case I wasn't able to get to one of the stories you share. Okay, I'm trying to keep up and post on my new Abolitionist Radio's Facebook for our listeners and for you too, in case you need to pull it up real quickly and aren't able to locate it. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to, Scotty, since you did read it twice uh, and you want to go ahead and give your 
analysis on what it is that you read and how you feel about it as a modern day abolitionist, feel free. Uh, I have I didn't read it twice. I read it once, and that was enough for me to to feel some kind of way, which I will certainly share. Let me preface my comments by saying this: all the issues that was pointed out in that article, I wholeheartedly agree with. But what I do not agree with is you using slavery abolition language without ever mentioning that slavery was never abolished and you talking about the militarization or imperialism and the oppression of people in Honduras and those activists that were murdered down there I I reported on those stories and, and what have you and and you know just imperialism all these different side issues again very very important issues but why are you labeling that abolition somebody gave me some insight into that uh, activist I still don't agree with it but they gave me some insight they said that people been talking about abolishing the system for a long time abolishing the state apparatus for a long time okay I can dig that I'm down with that But you're using slavery. You're using the specter of slavery in past tense in this article. She was, not you, but she is using slavery in a past tense uh, way, using that ideology of abolishing slavery, but applying it to these other issues. And then never mention the 13th Amendment, never mentions that slavery was abolished. Well, you might be saying to yourself, well, Scotty, maybe they don't know. No, they do know. Because myself, I can speak for myself, I think Max has communicated with them, and we've had some of their chapter members on this very program who do acknowledge that slavery was never abolished. So I sent them emails. I've sent them, you know, y'all need to include uh, the abolition of slavery in your planks. And, and and never got a reply act like I don't exist I sent more so yes they know they know slavery was never abolished they know the 13th amendment has an exception clause but to this, to this date unless it was put on there last night abolition of slavery ain't on their platform and that's what I had a problem with is you using slavery abolition and you mentioned abolition in the title you slavery and abolitionists still got work to do but you jump off into all these other side issues and you never mention the main issue which is slavery that that's my thoughts on that max i don't want to sound like i'm rambling or anything but i took i i was just really peed off about it because for a long time the national, I ain't talking about different various chapters, just like the NAACP does have some good chapters uh, in some of these states and, and at the county level or even at the state level. All right. Um, and so I don't want to make a broad sweeping indictment of Black Lives Matter either. But I'm talking about the main platform, the founders, the national organizations, the ones that that got approached and got billions of dollars and have been given I shouldn't say billions of dollars millions of dollars and have been given access to these mainstream platforms to publish such an article in the Guardian 
Is anybody giving us a platform like that, Max? Is anybody giving us millions of dollars? Not that I would take it because it depends. Hey, you, if you're just going to write a check, no strings attached, uh, attached certainly, because it a hey, abolitionism requires funding. But um, this other stuff, all this other side issue stuff, no, don't try to tie that to abolitionism and using the word slavery, but in past tense and not acknowledging that what we're looking at is slavery now. Max? Yes. Uh, what I would like to do, uh, for those who have not read the article, which is available on New Abolitionist Radio right now, is just to read a, an excerpt from it so uh, I'll have some basis for you to understand what I say afterwards, all right? This is... Uh, part of the uh, article that is out and it says the cost of prisons systems militarization in this society weighed down by vestiges of <clears throat> by vestiges of slavery make note of that word vestiges because she uses it I believe four times in here as if to remind us that this is not really slavery it's just some vestiges like a shadow of something from way back when a recent study found that in the US the cost of prisons exceeds one trillion this comes at the expense of families, children, and entire communities. The same study determines that the U.S. government's operational funds for federal and state prisons as well as local jails stands at $80 billion. On top of this lies the emotional, psychological, and physical trauma associated with separation, constant policing raids, arrests, incarceration, and law enforcement killings. Black communities and other communities of color are visibly under attack in the tree. Abolition is necessary if we want to see these conditions change. We must commit to transforming these systems. We're not just fighting against the prison complex, criminalization of black people and other communities of color. We also want the right to determine how we live and build up our communities' participation and conditions. We must ask ourselves, how do we build an abolitionist framework and practice for our movements today? Abolition pushes us to imagine. Abolition inspires us, and, the, and abolition reminds us of who we can be. Imagine a society dedicated to people and our collective well-being. What does it take to get there? What examples already exist that we can draw from? With abolition, it's necessary to destroy systems of oppression, but it's equally necessary to put at the forefront our conversations about creation. When we get for justice, what exactly do we want for our communities? Now, that's the part that I want to read for you because that's exactly what we've been saying for years now. We had it on point. They know who we are and they've heard from us. We've talked with their lead organizers on a number of occasions. I have demanded from friends of mine who are leaders of particular chapters that they contact the main office and get this on the agenda and they've done so. So they know who we are and here they are pretending like you know there is no abolitionist movement and then later on you'll hear her say that she's always been an abolitionist and kind of this is an idea she just thought up right now you know let's do it this way and as Scotty said she, instead of applying it to ending slavery she applies it to at least half a dozen other issues that are going on to which it does not apply in its entirety and in its intention so that bothered me it's and there was no, zero, not one mention of the millions for prisoners march on Washington on August 19th, as if that don't exist either, when we've got chapters promoting it. Now, how do you not know about that? So that, that made me feel some kind of way, like, 
you know, back in the day, we used to call these D-writers, you know, where they would see something that's working and then try to pretend like they came up with the idea and then misdirect you to move it in another direction. I don't appreciate that at all. At all. Malcolm like you look, just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, Max. You just misdescribed this entire movement and misdirected it in the wrong direction while continuing to hide the actual problem when you are fully aware of it. And I feel some kind of way about that. I feel that, you. That's me right there. I feel you. I feel you wholeheartedly, and I'm in agreement. And Malcolm X warned the grassroots movement when they did that first march on Washington about these rich liberals giving you money and giving you access to their newspapers. And then it's no longer a grassroots movement, but it's a corporate sponsored movement. That's what this, this is what their national uh, apparatus reminds me of, that which Malcolm X warned us about. Yeah, you know, I'm not making any accusations. I'm just talking about what I saw with my own eyes and read that uh, she wrote herself. These are the people who originally created the Black Lives Matter movement and now, you know, doing whatever with it. And I'm talking about that. And uh, that is offensive to me. Like you just overlooked us completely, like we don't exist, and you just came up with this idea, and then you refuse to even say a word about a march that you know all about, as if shh, don't let nobody know that's going on until we do it. <laughs> Come on, man, what the hell is that? I ain't making no accusations. I'm making accurate observations. Right, 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 right. And, you know, there's this backup to what we're saying. We just got an article that came out from the uh, San Francisco Bay Viewer, which is a huge supporter of the abolitionist movement. It has been around for like 40 years fighting for people's rights. And she, they were talking about the 13th, the film itself, and uh, also Michelle Alexander. And again, how the 13th really didn't focus on the 13th Amendment and, and how it creates modern day slavery. It's a great tool, but it only went so far. You know, it didn't say this is slavery implied things and left it for you to decide. And it didn't even offer abolition as an answer, not even once. Now, <laughs> there was we, only like one reference of abolitionists in the 13th, and that was of the abolitionist movement, but never referred to abolition as a possible answer to what we were dealing with. Yeah. Now, I have talked about this in the past. I cut Ava DuVernay some slack on that. And she's not the only producer of that film. That film was the ideal to come up with. The film was actually hatched by an executive of Netflix. And they contacted her and said, here's some money. We want a film about the 13th Amendment. And and so it was a bunch of other, you know, people involved in the behind the scenes. But when you're talking about a documentary, she reached out to the people that are showcased. Not saying nothing against those people. They they are involved in, in some good work. But many of those people, only one of them, in my opinion, of uh, the white guy, uh, what he hosts a radio show, don't he, or something like that, that was in there. He is the only one who was clear on the 13th never abolishing slavery. The other people kept talking about mass incarceration. And, and what do they call it? Intersectionality and all these big words. And, and you know, it, no, you it's slavery. The title is the 13th. And so in a, with a documentary, you don't put a script in people's hands. You just put a microphone 
in front of their face. You put them on camera and they speak from their perspective. So I cut her some slack on that, uh, uh, on that because, you know, a documentary isn't supposed to be scripted. She saw the people that's in the public eye, identified them, said, hey, I'm making a film about the 13th. I see you talk on criminal justice issues, so I would like to interview you or, or make you a part of this film. So that's not, in my opinion, that's not on her. Okay, that was on them activists, and actually one of them who is coming around, and that's and he does great work. He does great work, and that's Brian Stevenson. But Max even had to had to. I don't want to say confront. That'll be the wrong word. But you had to make him be clear on the Thirteenth Amendment when you was at a forum that he held, and you put the question to him. can't hear you max oh i'm here scotty i'm sorry i have myself on mute but yes i i did uh discuss that i was actually supposed to be on the panel there with brian stevenson from the equal justice initiative when it came to columbia south carolina um working with organizations in here but uh, unfortunately uh i had other things that prevented that from occurring but i did manage to get there the day of in the audience and i presented a question to him from the audience to clarify because on the oppor- in the opportunities that he has had to date he wasn't really clear about an abolitionist movement and this being slavery and during those that period when we spoke there publicly uh he was in full agreement at least at that point and verified yes he does support an abolitionist movement and yes this is not the vestiges of slavery this is actual slavery and we need to consider our argument in such a format right right mm-hmm. so yeah man he just um, came uh, out it, with a um he was interviewed by somebody and he made it clear that hey y'all need to consider this is slavery and and I'm you know paraphrasing or whatnot, but that last video that I saw that somebody shared with me, he is definitely calling it slavery. Yes, well, you know we have to look at it logically. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Our argument is sound. You you can't abolish mass incarceration. Well, good luck with that, because <laughs> it's it's not even a thing. It's the result of something else. So if you're trying to stop mass incarceration, the word "stop" and "abolish" sound is kind of familiar. They're like synonyms. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're trying to abolish mass incarceration, it's just not going to work. There's no constitutional amendment that protects citizens from mass incarceration. There's no law that limits the number of people that a a government can arrest and cage. It just just doesn't exist. But there are laws against slavery, both nationally and internationally. And we can prove it is slavery because the 13th Amendment is in our Constitution. It's the smoking gun. It says right there, except for prisoners duly convicted. Now, I can't say this um, for sure, I don't know, so I'm just making an observation and doing a little critical thinking. But I think sometimes we get caught up in coining new words or terms or phrases, and they don't always accurately describe what is going on, but it sounds good. It rolls off the tongue good. And next thing you know, it's turned into an organization called Black Lives Matter. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think that's the danger that, that we face sometimes is that some of these people are are coming up with catchphrases that aren't actually, you know, pointing people to the problem. 
And so that, that, you know, that's my issue with these catchphrases. And then mass incarceration isn't even grammatically correct because the majority of Americans, and that's including black people, are not in prison and never been to prison. Okay. And at one point, if I remember my history correctly, there were like 5 million enslaved victims in the South at one time. There's not five minute, five million people enslaved right now. It's not. At, at the most, if we include jails and detention, the kitty detention facilities and, and whatnot, then we at most we're talking about 2.5 million. Is that um, correct, Max? Or am I too no, high? Sir. Yes, you're, you're mistaken. Okay, um, what is it? Well, at, at this moment, we have 2.4 million static bodies in the prison systems themselves with 670,000 going in and out every year. So those bodies keep moving. Throughout the jail system, we have a total of 12 million going through annually. So that's 12, and then you got uh, two more, so you got 14 and a half million people with just those two alone. That's not counting the immigration facilities, the youth detention facilities either. So basically uh you've got over 15 million people and not counting again uh probation and parole which encompass another nearly 8 million people but if you put that all that together that's like 24 million people who are either in a cage going through a cage or under supervision by cagers right 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 so you know if you want to say mass incarceration Okay, all of those aren't incarcerated, but they are under the control of the system. So, but I just right. have a problem with that term because it, it's it's slavery. Slavery is just one word. It's not two right. words. It's very simple. Slavery. If I say slavery, everybody know what I'm talking about, right? They know what I'm yes. talking about. All right, slavery. Just it's one word. It's the real thing too. It's slavery. Hey, Scotty. Yes. We're uh, a little bit past our first break. You want to take the break? And when we come back, we'll uh, take calls. And I also want to read the list of speakers, which was released yesterday for the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March. I'll probably butcher some names. Forgive me, please, in advance. Uh, But I'm going to try to do my best. All right. What do you think, Scotty? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio here on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, if you're on the line and you're part of the Ohio movement or you're just listening in and you want to call and make a comment, just press star star to unmute yourself and let us know you're on the line. Um, and also, uh, if you're listening to us via the internet, you can call in at 866-510-9025. 866-510-9025. Max, um, 
Yes. Yeah, just just one more thing, though, um, of what we were talking about, why I have such a problem with mass incarceration as a term. Because if we if we keep calling it something other than slavery, then it is going to make it, although we are making some progress in getting the masses to recognize it as slavery, but I just feel like that it's just prolonging the ability for us to properly convey what is going on and it also lends support to the false narrative that slavery was abolished call it slavery that's what it is and we're focusing on a symptom instead of the source right right just call it what it is it's only one word it's not even two words it's one word slavery if I any listeners, or I don't know if you saw it or not yet, Scotty, but my discussion during the panel in Ohio, I broke that area down. I even uh, traced the history of the words mass incarceration in the English lexicon, when they were applied, when they became popular, and showed how it all broke down. And then by the end of the conversation that I had, um, I believe that I managed to convince people to start changing their language about what they were doing. Uh, Can I play the video? Can I play this video? From there? Uh, yes. Uh, it's a 30-minute video, so if you want to play any of it, maybe uh, just a clip towards the end would be, be cool. A couple minutes Okay, the, the one I'm looking at is post number four. I was able to rectify some of that problem <laughs> with BTR News. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a path to the freedom path. from modern slavery. Yes, yes. So if you want to start somewhere towards like a few minutes from the end, that'll be fine. Okay. How about five minutes before the end? Perfect. You'll be listening to this, uh, The Path to Freedom from Modern Slavery, my discussion during the panel of the People's Justice Project, July 29th in Columbus, Ohio. Well, I just clicked on it and it say it couldn't be played, so I'm on Facebook now where it was originally posted, so let me see if I can get it to play now. Looks like it's starting up. I also up. put it on New Abolitionist Radio, too. Yeah, it looks like it's starting up. There, there we go. There we go. It's uh, 30 minutes, so let's get at point 25. Here we go. Constitutional rights violated 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Fourth Amendment, right to protection from legal searches and seizures. But where's the stop and frisk? Happens all day, every day. What about the asset seizure laws that right now Jeff Sessions is pushing forward where they can just take your property and never charge you with anything? So that's the Fourth Amendment. What about the Sixth Amendment, which guarantees you the right to a fair and speedy trial? That is your guaranteed right. There are people down here overseas right now talking about right for my people's right at home, the Constitution. When you hear President Sarah, President of Law Order, he's talking about the Constitution. The Sixth Amendment guarantees you to a fair and speedy trial by a jury of your peers. But right now, 95% of all cases end up in a plea bargain. A backroom deal where prosecutors are terrorizing and bullying people into admitting to guilt to crimes that they haven't even done. If you don't accept this right now, you're going to be 20 years in jail. And if you go to court, you're going to lose. I've been every time I got a 98% success rate. So what do you got with it? You don't have any private defenders, private defenders, or public defenders are so overwhelmed right now in Louisiana, some public defenders are handling as many as a thousand cases a year. Uh, you must be like a dealer in, in Las Vegas, like here's another case and another case and another case. Just shuffling it out to the prosecutor. Yeah. So that's the Sixth Amendment, and then there's the Eighth Amendment. 
Eighth Amendment guarantees that you will be protected against uh, excessive fines and fees and bails, right? But look at what we're dealing with right now is all these fines and fees and bails. The investigation in places like Ferguson and cities like Cleveland here in Ohio show that they're using their prison industrial complex as a money generator. Do these fines and fees? And then they put these people in jail for these ridiculous things like last year, they were more estimated for personal possession of marijuana than they were for all violent crimes combined. So they put these people in these jails like this and they're saying, you know what? I know you don't have a job, but your bail is $5,000, Sandra Bland. You're not going to get out of here unless you got $5,000. That's extortion. And it's a constitutional right that we should be protected from it. So I'm just saying to you today that you need to do two things. It's very important that you do these two things. One, get your language right. Call it what it is. That is so important. Get your language right. When you start calling it what it is, that helps you to understand what you're dealing with and the people around you can have a clearer understanding of what they're talking about. And the other thing is to change your mind. Change your mind. Revolution doesn't start in the streets. It starts in your mind. Change your mind about what you're dealing with. Start calling it slavery. Start acting like it's slavery. Start talking to your congressmen and your senators and your prosecutors. And when you say to them, we want to end this problem. And he says, what problem? You don't say mass incarceration. You don't say over-criminalization. You say slavery. And they say, what slavery? We the 13th Amendment. There it is. I had to end it right there, Mace, because that, that's, that's all right. that needed to be said. <laughs> right there. That's, that's, that's it, brother. And I believe it was a transformational uh, moment for everybody in that room because it, it clicked. The whole room clicked, Scotty. They knew what, what I was talking about, and they felt it and decided. I heard so many of them come to me and say the same thing. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and and again, I, I love the work that in Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow. I love the th the things that she brought up in that book. So don't take it like, you know, I'm attacking Michelle Alexander. No, I'm attacking a term, which I think I'm getting some insight into is when you're dealing with academics, which she is an academic, okay? And a lawyer. And a lawyer, okay? And they kind of use this kind of long, drawn-out, language you know what I'm saying I don't know if people understand what I'm trying to say but you know you got to keep it simple for the people man you got not that the people are dumb they are being dumbed down though but not that we're insulting people's intelligence but slavery is much more easier to understand because lie, especially if you in the Afro descendant community you have a personal connection to it and you know exactly what we're talking about. You know that you can't reform that. You have to abolish it. See, when we start talking mass incarceration and these other terms, what are they talking about? I think even in that article you was reading, when she talking about transform, that just sounds like another metaphor for reform. No, 
let's abolish. If you're going to use the word abolish or abolition, we're talking about abolishing something. You can't reforming slavery is what we got through the 13th Amendment. We want we don't want any more reform. We want a, a abolition. That's what we want. Yeah, I, I certainly went into all of those details during the short period that I had to the best of my ability. Oh, man. Study. That, that's I, why I I'm recommend. saying those people in Texas see what y'all missed out on. This brother know what he doing. He knows what he's talking about. So, but Max, I don't know if we got a a, a call. Can you see the board? Uh, I'm looking now so, at this moment. I don't see anybody unmuted. So just press star star to unmute yourself if you do want to make say something. Well, somebody's unmuted on the board, but their name is Max too. Okay, we, <laughs> it we, might be name Max. No, I'm the only one here. There's an Orange New Jersey. Orange New Jersey. If there's a Max in Orange New Jersey, you are open. <laughs> hey, peace, family. Oh, is that you, sir? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why your name is coming up on my. <laughs> What's happening, Max? Welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Um, you, hey, you hey. Khan, uh is uh, one of the people that helped make the event possible uh, through donations. He covered the expense of travel, and then he went along with us, and uh, we wore him out. There's no doubt about that. We wore him out. We was all worn out by the end of it all, but. He experienced every moment right alongside of us, and uh, I'm sure he has had some amazing experiences to share. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I was, as as you've seen with many of the posts that I've done, I was I was very impressed with it. You know, uh, it started with uh, Anna X Abdurrahim. You know, she uh, she got involved in everything after the killing of Tyree King. You know, and I started telling her about, you know, our move to abolish 21st century slavery. She said, you know, add me to the group. And then she got added to the millions for prisoners, and she got actively involved. And then she said, you know, uh, you know, what can you guys do here in Ohio? You know, and I said, well, you know, let's uh, let's speak to Max and maybe speak to Crystal and see what we can work out. And then, you know, it was just. It snowballed from there to where everything got set up. And, you know, I, I really had no plans of going, you know, but I'm glad you guys dragged me along with you, you know, because uh, it was it was amazing, you know, amazing people. Just like, you know, in all of the cities that we go to, you know, it's, it's just amazing work that's being done, you know, uh, Right now, I'm in Fresno, California. I met earlier with the Muslim Students Association, along with a couple of Black Lives Matter uh, uh, members, and they're planning something at FBI Mendata on the on the 19th. You know, federal prison out here. They're going to do a demonstration in front of the prison uh, tomorrow. I'm going up to uh, Sacramento State, you know, to speak to some of them up there because they have something planned for. Uh, I believe it's. Uh, Folsom Prison that they're going to be going to on the 19th. So, you know, we have a lot of people all over the country that's actually organizing various events, you know, simultaneous events, and it's just great. Uh, but getting back to Ohio, I mean, I've been listening to the call since the top of the, since, since the uh, top of the show, 
you know, so Max recounted a lot of the experiences that we had, you know, and everywhere we went, you know, the conversation always went towards, you know, slavery. Uh, I think, you know, one interesting conversation we had was with uh, the director of the King Arts Center in Columbus. You know, and it's it's something that we encounter a lot where you have intellectuals. Sometimes intellectuals let their minds get in their way. You guys hear me? Yes, continue. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if I was... <laughs> We're I was listening intently. You know, sometimes people let information from other sources paint their minds, but... The more we talk to them, the more they start, you see the lights coming on, you know, because it is so plain. Like, anytime someone tries to explain any of the other synonyms that they try to use or euphemisms for slavery, you know, they have to be all wordy, you know, blah, 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 on and on and on. But when you start talking about, you show it to them, I mean, we can say it in very few words, and it, it becomes clear. It becomes clear, it's so clear that even a child can understand it, you know, that what we're dealing with is slavery, we're slavery abolitionists, we're not prison abolitionists, we're not prison reformists, we're none of that stuff. We're slavery abolitionists. We're trying to abolish slavery. And, you know, the majority of the people that we came in contact with in Ohio got it. You know, it was just great. You know, Max spoke about their children. And, you know, that was just so dynamic, you know, you know, everything that they were talking about revolved around freedom. You know, when we met with, you know, the, the, uh, what is it, People Justice Project, you know, and the uh, Voices on the Unheard, you know, whole group of youth, you know, what they deem as at-risk youth, many of them seem to be teenagers to their mid-20s, they all get it. You know, they all were very supportive of, of the event. Many of them, you know, we, we hung out with them on Friday. It was one of the uh, members' birthday. We hung out with them. and Happy birthday, Tay. Different... Sorry? I said happy birthday, Tay, or yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, happy birthday, Tay, if you're on the line listening. I still have my beads on, man. <laughs> still got my purple beads. But, uh... You know, every every uh, everyone that I spoke to, and you know, I heard Max and Tribal speaking to different people. Everyone, everyone got it from the youth to the elderly, across racial lines, everything. Everyone got it when we went to the den at uh, Lincoln Cafe. You know, when 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 Max first stood up to speak, you know, just in an introduction, and he asked how many people are slavery abolitionists and it seemed to be only me, him, and Tribal with our hands in the air and uh, Hannah Rahim. By the time Max explained what slavery, first of all, the existence of slavery and what slavery abolition is, then every, every hand in the house was up. And it was, you know, maybe 100 people there, you know, for a spoken word event. So, you know, it's, it's definitely catching on. You know, I had it momentarily uh, trending on Twitter yesterday with the conversation with uh, Professor Jared Ball. Many of them know him. His uh, his Twitter handle is I mix what I like, 
you know, he uh, did an interview with Crystal Roundtree last year, and he actually has a piece coming out on our March. Uh, it's coming up in the next couple of days will be in the Atlantic Black Star. So he wanted me to, you know, make sure that I let that go across the airways tonight. That for That's people to awesome. Look out for that you Shout know, out so, to Brother Jared Ball. Yeah, yeah, you know, he, believe me, he's, he's, you know, it's his, he's tied up, but he's also keeping his ear to the street. You know, he knows what's going on, and he's putting the word out there. There's also, a, uh, there, there are two other young ladies. One, she, uh, she freelances for the New York Times. You know, she's trying to get, she's trying to get an interview. The problem is, you know, the editors are shutting her down, you know, so, we may not get that. There's also uh, a young lady who may be on the line by the name of, uh, I'll make sure I get her name right, uh, believe it's Victoria Chase. Well, Chase, Victoria Chase, she may be on the line. You may see someone with an 816 area code. You know, she wants to uh, set up an interview for her, uh, for her blog that she has, for her blog radio show. You know, just more advertising, and you know, as I as I make my travels throughout the week, because you know, once I'm, I'm headed, you know, north, and then I'll be down in Texas early in the week, so it may be more calls and more interviews. So you know, you know, that's awesome. We need a lot of that, man. You know, you mentioned you know, that we. Sorry, you see. Uh, we yeah. need a lot more of that. But you mentioned at one point the discussion we had with the director of the institute there, the complex, which was dedicated to African-American history. It had host, an entire section dedicated to nothing but slavery. And, Absolutely. you know, right by the end of the conversation with this intellectual who is the director of the entire complex, she was in full agreement and said to me that they're about to put a wing in which is going to focus specifically on uh, youths being killed by police. And she wanted yeah. to reach out to us for material and, and to be able to talk about it. But, you know, later Absolutely. on, Yusuf, I, I realized that I'm the wrong person to talk to because you've got the, Justice, the People's Justice Project right there involved in it. And you got mothers right. uh, you know, who have been involved directly, so they should be reaching out to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know... The people are well-informed. I mean, I was even impressed with the uh, Democratic Society of America. You know, uh, Andrew Porter and Kristen Porter, you know, one for, you know, they allowed me to stay in their home, for one. And then, you know, them, you know, although when you take something like the Democratic Society of America, their platform is not exactly slavery abolition, but they're supportive of the movement, you know, because their 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 premise is no one is free until everyone is free, you know, and you know that fits in, you know, and I'm I'm down with anyone that's down for the cause, you know, because as as we keep saying, all hands on deck, we're gonna need people from all walks of life, you know, on this mission because it's it's an uphill battle. You know, because we're we're fighting, you know, what's written on paper, but we're also fighting, you know, this 150-year history or this 150-year historical lie, this stupendous fraud that's been played on the minds of, of 
the citizens of the United States, you know, where everyone is constantly saying slavery was abolished, slavery was abolished. And so it sounds like such a far-fetched idea when we come along saying no, slavery wasn't abolished. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? The Emancipation Proclamation, you know, all of these things. And then once we, once we point it out, they say, look, read the 13th Amendment. Was that, is, that, is that my cue? Start wrapping it up. Uh, no, that was Tribal Rain sending me a message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you <laughs> self. Yeah, you self. I just. Yeah, I just want to acknowledge the other caller. Um, so we will come to you. So please don't hang up. Oh, we want to hear what you have please, to say. Please, by all means, put the other callers on the line because I'll talk all night, man. I just had such a great time in Ohio, man, and I can't wait to get back out there. But it was a I, I think to you, with you, brother. Yeah, you self. I want to thank you for uh, saying what I was trying to say in a more clear and concise way. When I you when you said intellectuals, when you're dealing with people in academic circles who are intellectuals, sometimes they do they make things more complex than what they should be. When it's just as simple as one word, slavery. So thank you for uh, explaining that better than I could. Um, we, uh, it, I appreciate that, brother. Thank you for the compliment. You're welcome. Um, caller, we have a caller from the Ohio area. I don't see any numbers. The uh, numbers are blocked, so you have unmuted yourself. Uh, welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Please go ahead, give us your name, and share your comments with us. Hi, Max. This is Hannah. How are you? <laughs> Peace, my sister. Welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, we're finally going to conclude this whole series of events, huh? <laughs> uh, it's a, a well, it's not over. A... Even after the 19th, it's not over. Right. It's, it's not going to be over until slavery is done. But, Hannah, it was the uh, architect behind most of all of the things that occurred. You were a wonderful host as well. And I was proud to fight beside you and have the opportunity to speak to your community as you allowed us. Well, thank you, Max. I just want—I really appreciate you guys coming. Um, Yusuf actually just broke down. And hi, Yusuf. I know you can probably hear me still, but Yusuf broke down how it all started, how we got to the panel, and just him being him being that connection and introducing me to the Thirteenth Amendment back in 2015 is such a blessing because it's like everything fell in place. Everything that I already knew and already was thinking of like it just already felt like it fell in place like dominoes so just to be enlightened that slavery is still legalized and that it's the only way to get true independence for us as black people and for all people that's the only route that we can go but specifically black people because like I've been saying like they just took us from the plantation to the prison system it was all it was already a calculated design there's nothing wrong with the system it's it's how they want it to be. That's how they designed it. And it's up for us to push back and abolish slavery completely because it's not abolished. And it's not hard to say that slavery is legalized and America is a slave nation. It's just that people don't want to say it. They are worried about other things. But they don't know the solution to getting those other things resolved is to um, end legalized slavery. So I, I really want to thank you guys for coming out and, you know, speaking. Thank you for, you know, educating my community even furthermore and making it clear that we have to be intentional 
about not saying mass incarceration because that's not what it is because the Constitution legalizes it. It was never, it never was abolished. And that's what we're working on. And I'm glad to be working with you guys on this. Word, my sister. You know, you got a family member for life now, for sure. So uh, anytime, yeah. anywhere, just <laughs> holler at your man, Max, and we got this covered, me and travel. <laughs> we'll work it out. <laughs> we'll work it out. Scotty, any yeah. questions for Anna? Hi, Anna. It, uh, Hannah. Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, Hannah. Hello, Scotty. Um, I just want to thank you for hosting this event and explaining to us how easy it was to connect the dots once you self put that 13th in front of you. Um, because it was the same way for me. You know, I knew something was wrong. I know police brutality is wrong. I know extrajudicial killing is wrong. I know, you know, targeting certain communities and throwing them in prison and breaking up families is wrong. But I didn't really exactly know what it was until five years ago. I, for whatever reason, put the creator put it in front of me, the 13th Amendment, and, and everything clicked right there. Now I know what it is that all of this encompasses is slavery. It's slavery. All of these different things are tentacles of slavery. And so thank you for, for sharing that and taking action on that information, that new information. And because a lot of times, you know, people can be in possession of knowledge, but they don't know how to use it. So thank you for using that knowledge to advance slavery abolitionism in your community. I don't have any questions. I just wanted to thank you. Thank you, Scotty. And thank you, Max. And please tell Tribal Rainers to hi. And that I, I, I appreciate everything you guys are doing and have done in the past. And just meeting you guys was such a blessing. You, Yusuf Hassan, um, I just said his whole name. <laughs> you, <laughs> Yusuf, and Tribal Rain. <laughs> Indeed, man. Uh, we had some good times. We welcome you guys to come back anytime. Um, everyone's very appreciative uh, from PJP, IS, uh, let me say the whole thing, People's Justice Project, International Socialist Organization, and Democratic Socialist of America. We're all, you know, appreciative that you guys have came down, spent time coming down and sharing the knowledge with us, and we hope to continue it um you continue it, especially People's Justice Project, because a part of our um, message is that we do fight for what we used to call mass incarceration, incarceration, which you now have, and I've been saying it, but it came like a stronger impact when you said it, <laughs> backed up with all the extra knowledge, um, which I thank you so much for, but in reinforcing that it is legalized slavery and we have to be intentional with not calling it anything but that, because like Scotty was saying, if we keep um, calling it mass incarceration, like the movement is going, but the message is going to be watered down. Any other crime, we call it what it is. Like you've been saying, like like you said before, like we call rape rape, we call homicide homicide. We can't call legalized slavery or slavery anything else but slavery. It hasn't ended, and this is the only way we can obtain true liberation as a people. Imagine that trying to call murder something other than what it is. It is as like unwilling extermination. <laughs> Sorry, you've been a victim of right. unwilling extermination. 
<laughs> you know? But yeah, uh, it, it has certainly been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, I believe we left a huge impact in the community before we left. Uh, my heart goes out to the the women that I met there during this period, uh, particularly the one homeless uh, woman. I think, it, what was her name? Cynthia, was it? Angela. 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 My heart goes out to her and what she's dealing with right now. I hope that she gets some stability and the community comes together to to assist her in her time of trial. Her story was heartbreaking. And then also meeting up with uh, the two mothers there as well. That was another thing with, you know, um, Sister Adrian Hood and uh, Sister Malika, who have lost children to the system with behind these slave catchers who don't think they're slave catchers. They think they're knights in shining armor, but right. we went through that, you know what I mean? And again, uh, hopefully that uh, we'll stay in contact with them and uh, my heart goes out to them. Thank you for everything you did, especially with the kids. The kids was the awesome part for me. Like I said, I'll never forget that. Hearing those children yeah. saying, hold on, wait a minute. Let me put some freedom <laughs> in it. And knowing yeah, that you were teaching me. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to comment on something else um, that Scotty had said, which is basically the same thing about being intentional about calling it slavery. I actually sat down and taught my kids about the 13th Amendment because we had some books that would talk about slavery or talk about segregation or um, like the civil rights movement of the 60s. And I sat them down and I, I explained to them 13th Amendment and I broke it down how basically, you know, it went from the plantations to the prison system. And if eight and nine-year-olds can um, understand and want to, you know, learn more about the 13th Amendment, then I feel like we as adults have no excuse but to continue to spread the message. And we took them on a trip to the um, Black History, the Freedom Museum in uh, Cincinnati, which is a big museum and they had a timeline of slavery, and they ended the timeline at 1865. And I went through the timeline of when slavery started and when plantation slavery was abolished, quote unquote. And I made sure to even then explain to them and remind them about what we talked about in one of our, um, in one of the classes from the weeks before. And so they understand it, and they would ask me questions, and I would gladly answer them, but. I feel like that one of the solutions is to educate the youth and not lie to them about what's going on in the world around them. Most definitely, most definitely. And, you know, I'm hoping by the time uh, those young young people that you are speaking about, Hannah, by the time they become adults, that slavery will have been abolished. But just in case it don't, we got to make sure that it is abolitionist boots on the ground at all times in the future until the job is done. So I really, really appreciate you teaching them the truth. And and who knows, one day they might go to school and they'd be in a history class, which was one of my favorite classes, and I wish in high school I'd have been armed with the knowledge. They never even put the 13th Amendment in front of us. Okay, and so these young ones will be educating and spreading abolitionists in in their school environment and educating people with degrees that don't that haven't even come to the realization that slavery was never abolished. So that's very, very important that we educate our youth. Yeah, 
Hey, Hana, before you leave, Travel Rain wants to say hi. Hold on. Hello, my sister from another mother. <laughs> hi, Travel Rain. <laughs> How are you? I am doing well. I just wanted to say thank you for everything, everything, including giving us a new Ohio family. You're welcome. Thank you guys for coming and just sharing the blessings that you gave to the community and me personally. Like, it's just been an honor connecting with you all, and you're welcome to come back to uh, Ohio, to like California, Ohio anytime. <laughs> and I can't wait to come meet you guys and visit you in South Carolina either. Come on, we're ready. <laughs> Especially for the March. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that immensely. Me too. And it's only oh. a few days away. I can't believe, like, it's been almost, like, a year since y'all planned it, and now it's, yeah. like, here. That's it. <laughs> it's here. It's going to be big, and hopefully it'll touch a whole lot of lives and teach people about the 13th. Mm hmm Yes. And I just appreciate, uh, you know, you guys talking to the individual families. I know Max was talking to the father of one of my friends, um, brothers who is currently incarcerated in Ohio, and he was talking to him outside. So just the, those individual connections um, outside of the panel, like it just shows that you guys care about the community and that's what we need is more people um, doing the work and, you know, coming and spreading the knowledge. So it, it's just, it's a blessing. Word. Um, thank you again for calling in uh, Beautiful Times. All of the information, the videos and stuff will be available soon at the People's uh, the People's Justice Project. So you can go to Facebook, click like, and uh, follow their feed there. And uh, sometime in the near future, the entire panel discussion will certainly be available. You, you know, there was one point in the panel discussion, Hunter, that really, uh, for me, just kind of made me feel real good about what we were doing. Sean Stevenson was there, you know, and Sean Stevenson... Mm -hmm. When I met him and we started talking before the panel, he was one of the first thing he told me, like, dude, I was, uh, he said, I, I went to jail with Rick Ross and uh, my co defendant was Ollie North and Ronald Reagan. <laughs> He's like, I know about the prison industry. 20 years I've been in there and I'm a soldier. Mm -hmm. I don't like doing these events where I got to talk and talk and talk. When you're ready to do something real, I'm the one you call. And this brother had brought together right. the Crips and the Bloods to Ohio. He had brought in uh, mm -hmm. the chairman uh, came out as well and, and, you know, really talked about creating a peace. And at the end of our discussion, the panel discussion, he was, like, completely in agreement with everything I said. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that really made me feel uh, special, something special about that, just knowing that this soldier sees this as an answer to. Not yeah, the, and that's what I was hoping... Answer. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. No, um, just a comment on Sean Stevenson. He has been doing a lot of um, work with, you know, keeping the peace between the gangs in Columbus. And um, that's what I really want to reach is the hood, for real, because this is who it's affecting. It's affecting our community more than anything. And um, I just need to find a way to, like, besides canvassing, just directly um engaging with them and keeping them connected to what we do so we can get them out to these events so they can know like these streets they're not going to do anything besides 
uh, get you enslaved in the prison system or get you killed. And I feel like a lot of people, like even when, you, when I was canvassing like in the um, King Lincoln district, I did speak to a few people. And it's like they know, but also it's like at the same time, they're trying to survive. Like people are too busy trying to survive to be a part of movements like this. They have, they have kids to take care of. They have jobs to go to. And it's a shame that the city won't give us the resources that we need, like they do the white uh, white people in Columbus. Columbus is really a tale a tell of two cities, and it's up to us as a community in Columbus and organizations like People Justice Project to keep pushing that narrative that we need the same resources so they can finally give them to us, or we're going to have to take them. Because I'm tired of asking for things. Sister Tammy uh, Alsada, she is one of those people that is pushing hard for those resources. And uh, I, I talked to her about what they're doing in Asheville, and I, told you, I hooked you up with Sharon Smith and what they're doing in Asheville. And they say they got it from mm-hmm. Vermont, from the Center for Popular Economics. So you should look it up over there to get more details on how they're doing land acquisitions, where the community is becoming more and more in control of not only the land and the resources, but how they're uh, managed, you know, with their own security and, and, and very self-sustainable. So that would be the Center for Popular Economics. Shout out to my sister Tammy okay. out there working hard in Ohio too. Thank you. Um, I will let her know. And I've actually connected with Sharon Smith. I have yet to send her a message, but we did add each other. So thank Indeed. you for that again, my Max. Change starts in your mind, that's for sure. <laughs> you start looking at things differently <laughs> and you start doing different right. things, new habits. Where liberation must come in a place that doesn't have legalized slavery. You can't have liberation as long as slavery is right there next to you. Otherwise, you might as well be Solomon Northup playing your violin up in the north while your brothers and sisters are in cages in the south. Right. I heard somebody giggle in the background like, damn, Max, you had to go that hard? (laughs) (laughs) That's real talk. That's real talk. It it is real. I mean, it, it most certainly is. A lot of people are playing their fiddles and they're just concerned about their personal space and they're concerned about actually moving up in this system and getting a more comfortable place in this on this plantation as i've heard other people describe it so the solomon northrop you know uh comparison is is very applicable to some of the things we see or some of the people we see out there today but at the same time i do acknowledge something that hannah said is that Many of them are just trying to survive. They're just trying to survive. And and so they're just trying to do what they need to do in this system that is definitely, you know, they say they say that uh, the board is stacked against you. It is. It is stacked so that it will route you into slavery. So, yeah, that is very accurate, uh, Max Solomon Northrop's. But, hey, even he came to realize Okay, when it touched him personally, and we hope it don't take that for some people, that it has to touch them purposely or personally before they get involved in abolishing slavery. Right, exactly. Well, it's been a great conversation, Scotty, but we got about 15 minutes left, three segments left to do that. I'm pretty sure we're going to skip at least one and maybe shorten another one. 
But the one thing that I did hope to do was get the chance to read the uh, list of names as speakers for the okay uh, before for before you do that March. before you do that Max um, yes uh, mind body and spirit uh, radio they won't be back on air till September um, shout out to Feather Light uh, who I don't want to share her medical information so y'all just keep her in your thoughts and prayers for those praying people. Um, that she returns to good health and uh, Black Rose is actually traveling right now so if we need you know extra 5-10 minutes that's cool okay understood um, well with this list of names you heard at least two of them here tonight as a matter of fact the list of names and this is a position of extreme honor and responsibility to be a speaker at the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March on D.C., or or even in one of its sister events. It's a very powerful responsibility because it lays on your shoulder to express what we're dealing with and how you view this 13th Amendment movement as a way to ending it. And uh, your testimony matters at this point. So it is a very prestigious opportunity uh, here in this incredible time in history when we can make a difference as individuals sometimes with just the words you say so the list for the uh, the millions for prisoners human rights organizing committee is proud to announce a dynamic list of guest speakers for the upcoming millions for prisoners human rights march being held in washington dc august 19 2017 please forgive me for saying names wrong uh top of the list ramona africa from the MOVE organization. James McKay, Stuck on Replay. Max Parthas, New Abolitionist Radio. Robert King, Angola 3, former political prisoner. Kalaika Anijeli Kwa Baruti from the George Jackson University. President Umoko Ifateo from the Provisional Government of the Republic of New Africa. Jihad Abdullah Mumut of the Jericho Movement. Chandra Scott of the ACLU of South Carolina. Shout out, and it had to be South Carolina. Shout out to South Carolina. Y'all make me proud sometimes. Jaquila Abdullah Ali of the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee. Kemi Maturin of the Hope Foundation. Amanda Chavez Barnes, U.S. Human Rights Network. Tomiko Shine, Aged People in Prison, Human Rights Campaign. Lamont Banks, A Just Cause. Masai Ihozi, Prison and Gang Program of Al Umar on the Iman Jamil Action Network. Paulette Dutiel, Dutiel of the International Leonard Pelter Defense Committee. Shout out. <coughs> Hannah X. Abdur Rahim of the People's Justice Project. Shout out, Hannah. Amini Sawari of the Social Justice Writer and Content Producer. Rebecca Hensley, Social Change Agent, Louisiana. Mala Devine, Millions for Prisoners Human Rights Organizing Committee. April Goggins, core organizer, Black Lives Matter, DC, and creator of hashtag Keep DC for Me. Eugene Poirier, Justice First, Jobs, Not Jails Coalition, Stop Police Terror Project, DC. General Parker, Central Illinois Coalition of Black Trade Unionists. Natalie M. Cohen, Prison Lives Matter. Kenneth Glasgow, The Ordinary People Society. Quixote Scarborough, Chief Organizer of Free Em All, Political Prisoner Advocacy Coalition. Topeka Sam, National Council for Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls. And finally, but certainly not lastly, Crystal Roundtree, Director, I Am We, 
Prison Advocacy Network. Congratulations to everybody who is speaking, and uh, may God and the ancestors bless your words on that important day. Most certainly, and it is will be a historic day. I mean, it will be one for the history books because there hasn't been an abolitionist gathering of this magnitude since pre-1865. Amen to that, man. Um, there's another story that we're not going to get into, but I'm going to put it on New Abolitionist Radio. I'll be talking about it probably throughout the week. Maybe Scotty will do a story on it if he hasn't already. And that's what's happening in Baltimore when we had this tape revealed that police were planting evidence on innocent people. And now prosecutors have dismissed 34 gun and drug charges behind that body camera investigation it's a rabbit hole and a half and you should look into that Uh, Scotty I don't know if you have already but maybe it might be something of note for you to uh, talk about on yes uh, I'm aware of it I'm I'm aware and I have uh, shared that I haven't personally created uh, any media on it um, but I have been sharing that story it actually went viral Uh, the, the stupid slave catcher recorded itself planting evidence Yes, indeed. <laughs> the stupid slave catcher. All right, so we've only got a few minutes left. Uh, I guess we can start with our... Oh, uh, we do uh, have a call, Max. Sorry to... Oh, we do have uh, a caller? All right. Yeah, we got we'll another call caller. New yeah. Abolitionist Radio. 816, please share your name and go ahead with oh. your question or comment. Hi. Hi, uh, this is Victoria Chase calling from Texas. Ah, Victoria Chase, you were just spoken of very fondly by Youssef Hassan. Yes, yes. Uh, The reason for my call is um, in regards to the upcoming march you guys are having. I'm very excited about it. I learned about the march you guys were organizing earlier in the year, and I wish I could be there with you on the 19th, but I'm unable to. But the organization that I belong to, Mothers of Incarcerated Sons and Daughters, Um, Their chapter is in Kansas City. I just moved from Kansas City, Missouri to Texas, Uh, but I have been um, affiliated with that organization for a couple of years due to the fact of what my son, uh, when my son was incarcerated. Um, But it is a, um, I can't say that word too well, advocacy organization for mothers and fathers whose children are in uh, the criminal justice system. And the founder, Bev Livingston, is a strong advocate and uh, truly believes in the uh, work that you guys are doing and the march that will be coming up. So we just want to let you know that we'll be there with you in spirit. And on that day in Kansas City, they'll be holding a rally in solidarity. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but just wanted to let you know that. Yes, with, uh, I believe, Keith Brown L. and the Missouri Cure organization is holding a rally in uh, Missouri during that time. Uh, on the 19th in mm-hmm. solidarity. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes, yes. yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. So, and we're, we're glad that we have your support and understanding. And maybe we can, we're offering you some hope as well. Because, you know, when this story is done, there's going to be a lot of resources that have been uh, freed up that can go into rebuilding lives and communities. We're talking about spending a half a trillion dollars a year on our prison industrial complex and all the things related to it, at least a half a trillion dollars a year. And our argument is that about half of that, including people and resources, need to be done with. So those resources will be freed up and hopefully it'll change lives 
along the way. Absolutely. Well, uh, keep up the great work you guys are doing and um, keep us posted as maybe we can partner with you guys down the road or what have you, but um, uh, please keep us posted. Indeed. Thank you so much, my sister. Uh, you. If you want to uh, participate in some way in marketing or promotional uh, help getting the words out, uh, please reach out to Crystal Roundtree at imweubuntu.com. Uh, she's the lead organizer there, and I'm sure she can find some way that you might be able to assist uh, in the next 16, 17 days. Thank you again for your support. God bless. Thank you. Will do. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, man. Scotty, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's hope on the horizon, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, like I've, I've said it in the past, there's victory in resistance. And so there is victory in turning people on to abolition and seeing them, you know, just accept it. And what was expressed by some of the earlier callers about the event that was held uh, in Ohio with Sister Hannah that she organized and, and how the people, that's victory. That's that's a, a victory. That's a battle right there and winning my, you hear the, the military term winning hearts and minds. So that's what you're doing. There's a battle for hearts and minds. And so yes, Max, um, I, am, I am very encouraged. I am very inspired that we will end slavery. It, it's not a matter of if, it's when, as you stated earlier word exactly it's not a matter if it's a matter when we've got to start preparing for what happens afterwards so we're not caught, caught so unaware as we were the last time thinking someone was going to help us when they did not at all but yeah so we've only got a few wow we're down to five minutes and you said you got an extra five or ten so we got these three segments would you like me to start with the uh the rebellions oh uh, whatever max you want to do sir <laughs> All right, brother. Well, th tonight, uh, let me pull this up here. In the segment for Freedom's Sake, A History of Rebellion, we will be reading an excerpt from Howard Zinn's book, 1619-7041, Slavery and Slave Rebellions in the U.S. Uh, consider this. While we bicker and fight over who owns the most poverty and oppression, in New York, in 1741, there were 10,000 whites in the city and 2,000 black slaves. It had been a hard winter, and the poor, slave and free, had suffered greatly. When mysterious fires broke out, blacks and whites were accused of conspiring together. Mass hysteria developed against the accused. After a trial full of lurid accusations by informers and forced confessions, two white men and two white women were executed. 18 slaves were hanged and 13 slaves were burned alive. Only one fear was greater than the fear of black rebellion in the new American colonies. That was the fear that discontented whites would join black slaves to overthrow the existing order. In the early years of slavery, servants were often treated as badly as black slaves. There was a possibility of cooperation. As Edmund Morgan sees it, there are hints that the two despised groups initially saw each other as sharing the same predicament. It was common, for example, for servants and slaves to run away together, steal hogs together, get drunk together. It was not uncommon for them to make love together. In Bacon's Rebellion, one of the last groups to surrender was a mixed band of 80 Negroes and 20 English servants. As Morgan says, 
masters, initially at least, perceived slaves in much the same way they had always perceived servants shiftless, irresponsible, unfaithful, ungrateful, dishonest, and if free men with disappointed hopes should make common cause with slaves of desperate hope, the results might be worse than anything Bacon had ever done. And that is from Slave, Slavery and Slave Rebellion in the U.S., Howard Zinn. Oh, certainly. Um, Max, I got some breaking news. Yes, sir. Um, yes, I have just been informed by Crystal that um, with overwhelming support from jailhouse lawyers speak, speak reps, I have been informed that one moderator has been selected and approved, and that is me. And so I am, <laughs> I am honored uh, by this appointment, as I had spoke to uh, Crystal earlier, if all I can do is stack some chairs, that's all. You know, I'm going to be there and I'm going to do whatever I can to make this um, uh, be a successful event. So I am very honored by this appointment and I will do my very best. Congratulations, Scotty. Thank you. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, we are really running out of time. I don't want to go over time unless it's necessary, Scotty. Okay. Our final two segments would be our Rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad and our Abolitionist in pri- Profile. I will put those to our new Abolitionist radio page. Our Abolitionist in Profile today is uh, Maria W. Miller Stewart, 1803 to 1879. And okay. uh, the article comes from the Black Past Remembered. Okay, and, you want me to uh, read that one and while you prepare for the next one? Yes, yes, Scotty, please. Okay, and this is our abolitionist in profile. As Max stated, Ma- uh, Maria W. Miller Stewart, Maria W. Stewart, uh, 1803 to 1879. She is best known as one of the earliest female public speakers, was born Maria Millard, Miller in Hartford, Connecticut in 1803. Her parents' first names and occupations are not known. Stewart was orphaned by age five and became an indentured servant, serving a clergyman until she was 15. She also attended Connecticut Sabbath schools and taught herself to read and write. In 1826, Miller married James W. Stewart. Her husband, a shipping agent, had served in the war 1812 and had spent some time in England as a prisoner of war. With her marriage, she became part of Boston's small, free, black middle class and soon became involved in some of its institutions, including the Massachusetts General Colored Association, which worked for immediate abolition of slavery. When James W. Stewart died in 1829, the white executors of her husband's will took her inheritance through legal actions, leaving her penniless. Soon after, Boston abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison established his newspaper, The Liberator, in January 1831. He specifically called for black women to write in his pages. Stewart was the first woman to respond, and by the summer of 1831, he published her first essay, Religion in the Pure Principles of Morality, as a pamphlet. Building on that notoriety, Stewart launched her public speaking career at a time when women were banned from speaking in public, especially to audiences that included men. In her first address in 18... 
in April of 1832, Stewart spoke about a women-only audience at the African-American Female Intelligence Society, an institution founded by the free black community of Boston. Speaking to that audience, she used the Bible to defend her right to speak and lectured on religion, justice, and equality. On September the 21st, 1832, Stewart delivered a second lecture, this time to an audience that also included men. She spoke at Franklin Hall, the site of the New England Anti-Slavery Society meetings. She called for civil rights for Northern blacks and questioned immigration to Africa, which was promoted by the American Colonization Society. Garrison, which was not um, black people, uh, but Garrison published both speeches, speeches in the pages of the Liberator. He published the text of her speeches there, putting them into the ladies' department. He also published a second pamphlet of her writings as Meditations from the Pen of Miss, Mrs. Maria W. Stewart. On February the 27th, 1833, Stewart deliver, delivered her third public lecture, African Rights and Liberty, at the African Masonic Hall. Her fourth and final Boston lecture before moving to New York was a farewell address on September the 21st, 1833, when she addressed the negative reaction that her public speaking had provoked, expressing both her dismay at having little effect and her sense of divine call to speak publicly. In 1835, Garrison published a pamphlet with her four speeches plus some essays and poems titling it Productions of Miss Maria W. Stewart. All the pamphlets created a much wider audience for Stewart's work and inspired other white and black abolitionist women to become orators. After moving to New York City, Stewart remained an activist, attending, for example, the 1837 Women's Anti-Slavery Convention, but she never spoke again in public. She supported herself by teaching in public schools in Manhattan and Brooklyn, and eventually became an assistant principal of the Williamsburg School in Brooklyn. Apparently, after losing her teaching position in New York, Stewart moved to Baltimore in 1852 or 1853. There she taught privately. In 1861, she moved to Washington, D.C., where she taught school again during the Civil War. Around 1870, Stewart was appointed to head housekeeping at the Freedmen's Hospital and Asylum in Washington, D.C. Following Sojourner Truth in the post, she managed the cleaning staff. In 1878, when she was 75, Stewart began receiving an $8 a month widow's pension based on her husband's service in the U.S. Navy in the War 1812. She used the pension, including some retroactive payments, to republish meditations from the pen of Mrs. Maria W. Stewart, adding material about her life during the Civil War. The book was published in 1879, just before her death on December 17 in the Freedman's Hospital. And New Abolitionist Radio salutes Maria W. Stewart. Salute, my sister. <laughs> if anybody has ever said that words mean nothing, that talk is cheap, well, read her story. Because words mean everything. Talk is never cheap. Ask anyone who has ever spoken up about rights for their people or for humanity more often than not, has cost them their lives. All right. Well, um, here's our final segment, which is our Rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad, and there is one in existence. Uh, God bless the Innocence Project and all organizations just like them. Today, 
our story comes from the Huffington, Huffington Post, and it's called The Rape That Wasn't, The Wrongful Conviction of Jared Adams. If you know the history of racism in the United States, you'll be familiar with what happened to Jared Adams, an African, African-American from the south side of Chicago, who in 1999 was wrongfully convicted of raping a white woman. And in this article, there is a 10-minute video where he talks about his case in his own words. While Jarrett's wrongful conviction is a riveting story, the real story, as he likes to say, is what he's doing now. As he was fighting to prove his innocence in prison, Jarrett developed a passion for the law. After he won his freedom, he went back to school and became an honored student. This spring, he will earn his associate's degree, and he's currently applying to universities so that he can graduate with his bachelor's in two more years. Though Jarrett has excelled, it hasn't been easy on December 24, 2009, he learned that the state of Wisconsin denied his request to be compensated for his wrongful conviction, which was money he would have used to pay for his education. Today, Jared is looking for work and shoveling snow to pay rent as he takes night classes. Even though my record is clear, I have an eight-year gap in my life, says Jared. It's a hard thing to explain to employers. I've lost jobs because of this. I've had trouble getting jobs because of this. But Jarrett remains focused on his ultimate goal of getting into law school and becoming a lawyer so that he can, in his own words, defend against the same thing that got him convicted, not having a defense. We here at New Abolitionist Radio salute you, Brother Jarrett Adams. Welcome to freedom. Welcome to freedom. It doesn't end, brother. It doesn't end. Even after you get out, they're still on you. Like That's why I said I don't expect reparations of any kind immediately. I just don't. They'll let the brothers free. They'll let the sisters free. And then they'll say, be happy with that. Don't you dare ask for anything else. And be mad because they had to give up the money that you were making them. Right, right. You know, and I mm-hmm. definitely am in full support of reparations. Yes. As I have expressed to our our comrades in the reparations movement is that we need reparations for what's going on to the victims now and not just for the past and most importantly we got to abolish slavery first boom (laughs) boom simple as that it's always Occam's razor simplest answer is usually the right one it avoids cognitive dissonance building up and developing. Well, we're at the end of our program. We're a little over time. We appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so much to our callers from uh, Ohio and across the country who have called in and shared their sentiments and, and uh, ideas with us. Shout out to my people in Ohio specifically. Uh, keep up the good work, and you are an example to the rest of the country. They can follow suit and do the exact same things and it doesn't take that much work remember how this whole butterfly effect thing works you know each one teach one you tell one and they tell another and before you know it everybody knows the truth Scotty any closing statements for this evening Uh, no but I just want to thank each and every one who called in to speak and each and every one who is listening right now and will listen later and I'm just very inspired man sometimes I do get emotional man I really do man it's been times man where I hear some of these good field reports and I I tear up man I tear up because you know like five years ago man I couldn't envision us coming to this point I'm sorry Scotty we understand brother we love you 
and it's an honor to be side by side with you to see these things occur you know believe me I understand can be very inspiring and emotional but we're at the finish line now brother (laughs) you know what I mean we're coming up on some conclusions it's about time and two days after the millions for prisoners human rights march uh, on Washington DC there will be a total eclipse of the sun Uh, you don't get to see much of them I call that a sign and a symbol indeed freedom is coming well you've been listening to new abolitionist radio with scotty reed and max parthas be sure to tune in next week on blacktalkradionetwork.com we'll continue our reporting on modern day slavery and human trafficking as well as highlighting people and projects who help to combat it and remember this abolition is a reason for a revolution so we can finally know some peace peace Just lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times if it's time. Rise up, rise up, when death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing. Rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord anger is no longer feared if his protection is gone and your enemies are near if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake break and fall if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all rise up no matter if the prize is high in the skies or deep